Hi, I'm Malcolm Nichols. And I'm Richard Ayling. And this is Man Reimagined, a podcast where we, as men, attempt to reimagine ourselves in the 21st century. How can we respond to the big questions that we're facing, both within ourselves and within society, and make sense of this ever-changing world? We don't have all the answers, but we do want to create a conversation. So join us moving forward as a man reimagined. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Man Reimagined podcast with myself, Richard Ayling, and my good friend, Malcolm Nichols. Today, we have a very special guest that we're both really excited to talk about, and that is James Fish Gill, or Fish as he uh, prefers to be called, and has been called since he was six, which is a, a beautiful little fact I just discovered. James, or Fish, is a relationship communications coach, and I'm going to invite him to just jump straight into telling us exactly what that is. But Fish, welcome, brother. It's super nice to have you here. We're really excited to get to know you and talk to you and find out so much about the work that you do, which we're really inspired by. But maybe you could just start by saying hello and also explain what exactly a relationship communications coach is. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Mal. Um, it's very lovely to be here with you guys and really um, honour what you're doing here. Um, relate well when I talk about relationship communication coaching you know we have those times where our hearts are just naturally open to one another you know poolside sipping pina coladas or you know in the early days of relationship or just when things are going swimmingly and then there are those moments where you know they do or say one tiny thing and it doesn't take very long for us to end up in a situation where we're like, where did the love go? Or like, why are they being like that? Or why are they withholding from me? Or why did they turn away? Or why do they, why are they criticizing me? Or so, you know, it's simply true that relationships take turns for the worst. Um, and it used, usually is centered around, you know, what, why, why didn't you remember the bread or, why did you roll your eyes or don't take that tone of voice with me? You know, some, some tiny thing um, where suddenly our hearts close to one another. And so I bring people the tools and the confidence to use those tools to um, turn those moments of heart closed into heart open again. Beautiful, man. As we were talking before, you, you, you'd mentioned that it's not just relationship couples. I mean, this, this applies to, you know, I guess, parent work, friendship. Um, do you also speak to or work with people in a, in a professional or corporate space as well? Well, exactly. What's the scope of your, your work? Who do you love to work with? Yeah, well, until, until uh, sort of more recently, I was working mainly in the, the corporate space and also with community groups. And I was facilitating conversations around um, you know, conflict issues in the workplace or in communities. Um, and more recently, I've decided to focus where I feel like it matters most, which is right in the heart of people's personal lives. Um, so, you know, right now I'm working with couples who are in a romantic union. I'm working with individuals, in, both in and out of a romantic relationship themselves. I'm working with parents who want to... Um, who want insights into how to better communicate with their oppositional teenage son or daughter. I'm working with people who want to open the door 
open the doors that have been closed in their relationships with their siblings, with their parents, and with family and friends and with work colleagues. So, you know, when I, when I talk about the word relationship, we naturally hear romantic relationship, partnership, union. Um, but, but we are always in relationship to, I'm in relationship even when I go and fill my car up with fuel at the service station, you know, the guy in front of me, how I cope with how long he takes <laughs> to fill up his <laughs> 150 litre, you know, so it's like relationship fracture is potentially happening in every moment. Um, and it's simply, it's simply not true that we always feel free in relation to others. And so my work is to give you the tools to feel freedom, to express anything you need to express to any other human being. And most of us have significant barriers around sharing certain things because it kind of goes shit shaped when we do and significant barriers to being with what's communicated to us by certain people at certain times. Both of those are moments where we experience a lack of freedom. Um, mm. And then we kind of come to the conclusion that some people are just assholes, but that's actually not the, tr <laughs> not the truth of the matter. When you're very skilled, you actually realize that all human beings have hearts and move from a yearning and experience pain and so there's a, a great degree of freedom to be found but it's not naturally found it's not how we're hardwired so that's where i come in nice hey uh fish I, the 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 thing i'm kind of curious from just what you've said right now is you yeah. you've thrown the word heart in there a couple of times and mm -hmm. that i mean you know but yeah dropped it in like a bomb right boom heart and um and i know it's in it's um it, it's the key of of what you do and I, so i'm just really curious to hear you talk more about when you talk about heart and you talk about heart and relationships what yeah. what does that mean man because it's um uh you know i mean in, in spiritual terms that the heart is a is a big piece but yeah. i think it's um it's such a beautiful and misunderstood yeah. part anatomical and emotional and spiritual part to who we are as humans right so i'm just really keen to hear more about it yeah beautiful well like let me let me talk about the heart as a distinction from the head you know in terms of how we relate to human beings you'll you'll notice that you know think of a time with someone who's close to you recently where they have said or done something that just moves you <laughs> and you know you'll notice there's a reciprocal action in your heart that just wants to do or say something equally loving in return like effortlessly you know if, if your partner reaches out and says i, I really appreciate um your courage this morning <laughs> or i really appreciate the way that you so kindly drew my attention to something yesterday, you, you'll naturally kind of respond with, oh, you know, like wanting to be open to them. So that's the reciprocal language of the heart. Notice also that um, when someone criticizes you or dismisses you or um, accuses you, there is a natural closing of your heart to them so when their heart closes to you there is the reciprocal closing of your heart it, it noticed this 
you know, when mm, yeah. someone's like, you're a bit of a jerk, you don't naturally go, <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, we don't naturally feel into them lovingly. We naturally go, well, screw you. Yeah. Um, but when someone um, apologizes to us or acknowledges us or thanks us or honors us, um, you know, I work a lot with honoring character strengths in each other, which we've kind of lost in, in this society, but which used to be a lot stronger in our traditional societies. When, when someone honors me for my kindness, I just go all mushy and I, I will probably reach out and touch them or I'll probably make eye contact with them or I'll probably want them to feel my smile. So the heart is reciprocal in that way. Um, and conversely, the we naturally habitually kind of lead in our relationship communication in moments of upset and conflict we we lead with the discerning mind so as soon as someone as soon as that guy with the 150 liter fuel tank at the shell petrol station in front of me um, takes 17 minutes to go in and also get a iced coffee and I'm, my mind is immediately going, what the hell is this guy's problem? Like, it shouldn't have taken him this long. Why isn't he considering me? So my mind will immediately go into the state of judgment and discernment around something's wrong. He's the reason that something's wrong. If only he'd done this, or if only he hadn't done that, then everything would be okay. So that's the language of the conflict mind, I call it. and. The conflict mind is compelled to bring analysis to our experience, whereas the heart works best with feeling into experience. And so how I work is I train people in coming out of the analytical state, which is like, why didn't you do this? And you were so insensitive and you're just like your father. And I can't believe we're having this conversation and, why do you have to roll your eyes at me that way? Back into experience, which is I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling unsure. So, so working with the heart in communication brings us into experience. And the benefit of bringing ourselves out of analysis into experience is that then we can tend to the experience. And healing mm. happens when we can just be with the experience naturally we're guided by the mind into analysis and there's no hope for us there because my analysis and your analysis will always be different and then we're just caught in the game of trading analyses mm. and that's what amplifies conflict yeah it's, i mean listening to you speak it brings to mind some of the you know we, we've we've talked quite a lot on this uh, podcast around embodiment and the, the process of coming coming into our body and um, so what you're what you're talking about sounds like a very um, similar process really and, and I guess you know thinking about from a from a male perspective you know one, one of my one of my personal observations about myself and a lot of men in my life right is is that there's 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 there is this tendency to to stay upstairs you know there's, there's a lot of safety yeah. in that right um yeah. it's a kind of like you were talking about with the heart you know i noticed that it, it the intimacy that comes from coming into that place is beautiful profound and fucking scary at times as well right yeah and 
So I'm, I'm curious to know, I mean, and, and I'm, I mean, obviously this is your, your work, but what, what is, is there one simple tool that you do that you, to get people down into their heart? Like what, what would be a, a little go-to number right now that we could do um, to instantly make that 18 inches from head to heart? Um, so my question to people, to everyone I work with, men and women in general, and by the way, there's not a great distinction in my experience over 13, 14 years of it's not like men are really bad at it and women are really good at it. <laughs> um, in general, human beings struggle to um, take note of their experience because we are already in the analysis point. We've already decided, you know, if I'm feeling hurt by what you said, I'm already in the state of um, deciding your um, insensitive so that's already kind of in my I'm already kind of pulling myself away from you and pointing my internal finger at you and saying that was insensitive of you <clears throat> so the benefit in that moment is to say what's my actual experience what 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 was I experiencing that gave rise to the analysis of your insensitive um, and it it really is you know I I felt um, criticized by what you just said to me about the color of the paint that we chose. <laughs> and, you know, I break that into five aspects, really. What, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? Or what was I thinking? What was I feeling? What was I saying? What was I wanting? And what was I worried about? And when I can feel into those five aspects, it helps me really get tuned into what I was experiencing. And it starts to mm. kind of create this um, opportunity for me to be with my experience, even mm. if no one else on the planet can ever understand what I was experiencing. Until I feel into my experience, then there's no hope of feeling um, resolution. <laughs> but when I can start to, then I can go, okay, well, what, what I find there is um, co very complex, like there's lots of layers to my feelings. Um, I find incongruence. You know, I, I typically, you know, when I work with people, they find that they, I, they can love someone and hate someone at the same time. They can feel guilty and justified at the same time. They can be feeling no and saying yes at the same time. When we get quite curious about our experience and reach into how incongruent our experience is, how paradoxical it is, then I think actually this relates to the teaching of Samtosha in um, the Niyamas, the second limb of yoga. Samtosha really is the experience of okayness that arrives when we can make space for the contents of our experience contentment making space for the contents so when i can realize that i want to buy the house and i don't want to buy the house that i want to stay in this relationship and i kind of also want to leave the relationship then a, a sort of acceptance comes in me about my experience which is kind of the beginning of 
being able to be conscious in my communication because until then, until I've actually got a sense of what's going on for me, then I'm just in the analysis and that's nowhere near the truth actually. <laughs> the truth is my experience and your experience. Is that, is that making any sense? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to sort of take a breath and, you know, the, there's a lot to digest in what you're yeah. saying. There's so much depth and, and that's, yeah. uh, I find that I'm so welcome. And I actually just find listening to you uh, so refreshing, right? Like, especially as, as, as another man in my field, you know, we've connected before and um, it was just like, oh, yes. <laughs> like I, my nervous system relaxes around you. you know? Yeah, well, well, I joke, I joke to people. It's kind of a joke and just kind of actually the ultimate truth is that my, all I do, all I ever do <laughs> is I deeply validate everything that anyone has ever experienced. <laughs> that's it that's the whole thing yeah now beautiful. i've got various tools to do that but if we go back to the language of the conflict mind the conflict mind does not do that the conflict mind says there's certain experiences that are okay there's certain experiences that aren't there's things that i'm there's ways that i'm comfortable with being seen by you and there's ways that i will definitely not be seen by you there's um feelings that i'm okay with having and there's feelings that I'm not okay with having. And this, this very much kind of, you know, relates to duality, the, the way the mind is just a duality machine. It takes our experience and it tends to create a pile, which is I'm okay with that. And the other pile, which is like, that's not okay. Um, and that's at the foundation of our inner conflict with ourselves in these moments, even before we tend to the conflict between us and them. Um, but I, I kind of would love to, you know, whether, whether now, you know, I'm happy to go with in another direction now, but I, I'm, what's lighting me up at the moment is really considering our relationship with pain. <laughs> um, so I'd love yep. at some point to talk more about our relationship with pain, our relationship with their pain, you know, because relationship breakdown is associated with them having some aspect of pain and our relationship with our own pain. Um, so yeah, gu guide me mm. as to whether you're happy to go there now or with Yeah, well, mate, go for it. I, I noticed, I, I have noticed on your Instagram um, that there has been yeah, some, a number of references to pain. So I'm curious to, to absolutely hear more about that because it, what it brings up for me is that, that idea of the pain body and um, as it's been talked about by, uh, by numerous by numerous people in the past and so i'm really curious to hear what you how you reference pain and in particular to um, your experience in relationship for self and for others yeah okay great beautiful and this is kind of you know this this exploration of how we relate to pain i think is pretty fundamental to how we're able to bring ourselves to relationship upset um and i've been thinking about it through through the story of, um, you know, when my daughter, who's now 22, when she was two, she loved being on the trampoline. And we lived in a little community in Denmark on the south coast of WA. And it was a very safe little community for her to hang out with other kids. But she would, she would you know, on occasion, she would be jumping on the trampoline. And of course, she wanted to jump higher and higher and higher. 
And then invariably she'd stack it, you know, and sometimes she'd come back with bruises. Sometimes I'd hear her scream and I'd run out of the kitchen doorway and go to her. And, you know, if we consider this like an analogy for how we respond, there's the part of me that wanted to say, well, that's what you get for jumping that high. I warned you, you know, which is like the punitive response. It's like, well, that's what you get. <laughs> Um, and some of us have been trained from <laughs> a very early age to just go, well, yeah, that, you've got the pain, you deserve the pain that you get because you did the thing that brought you pain. Um, you know, so we might kind of resonate with being raised that way, but also just like that might be a natural response. If so, I've got a friend of mine who is supporting another friend of hers through separation, and she keeps kind of going back to that guy and then breaking up with him and going back and breaking up. And this friend of mine who's supporting her friend her response is, well, don't come to me when it all goes shit shaped, you know, which is really that, that thing of the pain that you've got is, is because of what you're doing, right? So I'm not saying that's a wrong approach. It's just like a pain is, you know, you'll, you'll get what you get because of what you did, right? And when, if we're to take that approach into a relationship upset, if me and my partner are, have some conflict going on, if, if my approach to her pain is like, well, you did the thing, so suck it up. It's just not going to go very well. You can, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Her heart's not going to open is my point. Her heart will likely close. It will escalate no. things. Um, yeah. So then let's consider a second approach, which is the dismissal approach, which might say, I might run out the kitchen door and go to my daughter and I say, oh, it's just a little scratch. You don't need to, like, you don't need to cry so much. Like, what's, what's all the carry on? You know, it can't have hurt that much. Um, you know, which, you know, so if I take that into a relationship and my partner's really upset with me or my siblings are upset with me and I say, I don't know what the big deal is. It's not, it's not going to go. It's going to further amplify them because they're going to left, be left feeling like their pain is being dismissed because their pain is alive for them, right? So they're, they're actually yearning for it to be tended to. So then a third approach might be for me to go out and say, okay, well, if you're going to injure yourself on the trampoline, I'm going to take the trampoline away. I'm just going to fix the situation by removing the threat, which still, like you can see my commitment to making things better there, but it, it still doesn't tend to my daughter's upset. Um, you know, and so many of us men will actually take that fix it approach. Our partner will say, hey, I'm upset. And we'll say, okay, well, I'll just do a different thing then. Or I'll just not do that thing. There's actually a beautiful um, video on YouTube. I think it used to be an ad maybe. Anyway, a woman sitting on the couch with her man and she's got a nail driven through her forehead. Yeah, forehead. Yeah, Have you seen that? Yeah. And she's yeah, like, babe, I've it's, got... It's not this. the nail or something it's called. She's, she's like, yeah. And she's like, babe, I've got this piercing pain in the front of my head. And he's like, just pull the nail out. And she's like, you're not listening to me, which is just a beautiful example of like, of course he wants to fix it by pulling the nail out. But for her, pulling the nail out is not feeling and being with her in her pain. So then there's a fourth approach, which is the approach that I train people in, which is the validation approach, which would have me go to my daughter and say, wow, that must have given you such a fright. I can see that your knee is hurt. How does that feel for you? Is there anywhere else that hurts? 
do you need to sit down for a little while or are you ready to climb back on or do you, do you want a band-aid like what feels best for you which is really being I'm being present to and guided by her experience of her own pain and I guarantee all the parents out there listening to this will know that that approach actually gets the best results because there's mm. tears and then the child has moved on because they've been seen in their pain however I'm going to say that there is culturally this notion that we don't want to indulge people in their pain because it's going to just make them more indulgent. And I can't say I've ever seen that to be the truth. The only times I've been tended to in my pain, I haven't wanted to stay in my pain. I've wanted to um, move on because I felt release. Mm. So my approach, and I'm not suggesting it's for everyone, but my approach is deep validation of my pain and your pain is the only way that we commence healing and repair. It's just that we're really not trained that way. Have you noticed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, as, as you're talking, because I've got a, a six-year-old daughter and, and every one of those, uh, well, all it's four of the options that you gave, I've, I've certainly r rattled my way through them probably on a daily basis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I had someone yeah. generously messaged me the other day after, after I put that post up and they say, I, I do tend to cycle unconsciously through those four approaches. Yeah. And yeah, it's amazing that we've got those four at hand. Some of us maybe mm. only have one. You know, I know people who will just be like, shut up and move on. Like, don't be weak. Um, and that's how they were raised. And that's now how they're having relationship. And it's, of course, they're in pain in their relationships because there's nothing about that approach that opens another person's heart. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And and the other piece that you said that I, I really do agree with is the the sense of being being recognised as an adult, you know, being recognised for the pain that that is there and that I'm going through. Um, absolutely, just it's almost like it gives me the willpower in a way to go. Okay, I'm gonna I can be with this pain and I can shift through it. You know, when when it when it is ignored or not validated, even now as a, as a nearly 50 year old man myself, yes. you know, I, I can feel the inner boy in a child and me going, but fuck, I'm hurt. Yes. No help. Yeah, Look amplifies. after me. Somebody, somebody see me. I want yeah. to be seen. Yeah. yeah totally. Unseen pain amplifies. Um, you know, I'm sure that's at the heart of a hundred million different teachings all over the planet since the dawn of time. But um we do, we do forget it. And as men, if, if we're going to kind of be gender specific, I'm going to say as men, we've had an extra good layer of training to turn away from pain because we've been mm. trained in slaying the business dragon, which means turning away from feelings of, you know, remorse or uncertainty or fear, or just, you know, just, just deny those feelings in order to slay the dragon, to make the millions. And we've been trained perhaps in being soldiers of war, which also means turning away from any upset or fear or pain or disappointment or hurt, you know, so, and, and that training has been going on for generations. So it's unfortunate that 
I think we're at where we're at in terms of we're not known for our skills at staying present to another person's pain, but I definitely think it's our future because I think ultimately winning at loving, which I think we all want to do, maybe, maybe not, but many of us will resonate with, I want to win at loving people. By win, I don't mean win over. I mean, succeed at, I mean, thrive at. Winning at loving equals learning to be deeply present because they love that. <laughs> you know, notice how much your, your six-year-old daughter now, how much she loves it yeah. when you're fully yeah. present with her, like when you can just be oh. present with her and she yeah. just, she'll just melt into that. Absolutely. And, you know, Rich, when you're, part, when you're fully present with your partner, when you, when you put things in place so that you can just be fully present, she's just like, oh, my God, this is what I crave. Um, so, yeah, it's like we have this notion that winning at loving someone means making sure there's no pain instead of winning at loving someone being, being deeply present to all the pain that exists. <clears throat> Mm. I, I, I stayed silent because I don't currently have a partner, but uh, I can also remember <laughs> like just the value of doing that. And I'm, I'm, keen to, um, I'm keen to pick up on a point that you mentioned earlier, which I actually wanted to ask you about, like the, the approach or how you differentiate between men and women. And because I, I was thinking, well, I sense that mothers would more quickly, this is my assumption, please correct me if, you know, if your experience tells you different, but mothers would will gravitate more quickly to that that fourth solution or that fourth approach you know that would be validation and, and uh, being uh, nurturing I guess is the word that comes to mind whereas men for reasons that you mentioned you know layers and generational kind of uh, conditioning to you know not deal with pain and to not show that we're suffering in any way like therefore how would you is there more work to do with men? Because I noticed that you have different offers for men and women in your website. And so is there more work to do? Is it a different approach? Is it a, a yeah, how do, you, how do you go about kind of uh, working with men that, yeah, for the, the word vulnerability is, is kind of still like a bit of a square word and something that we don't lean towards. And yet that for me seems at the heart of your heart-led approach. Yeah, got it. Well, it might surprise you to hear that actually my approach to men and women and couples is like pretty much identical. I mean, the, 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 the journey that we take together, of course, is nuanced and depending on who I'm working with and what's going on for them. But, um, but I don't make a gender distinction. And, and here's why, right? Okay, so I would agree. I would agree in my experience of particularly when we talk about mothers, I think mothers have a natural ability or sensitivity to the pain of the, their right. young people, right? Whereas men might be a bit more motivated by wanting yearning for the independence of their young. So, you know, we might find ourselves in a, in a co-parenting standoff where she feels like he's being a, a bit of a hard ass and he feels like she's being too soft on them. Um, but if we take it out of that generalization, I just want to kind of reach into what happens when we're in conflict and pain arises in them, right? So imagine, imagine me and my partner 
Um, and, you know, she's just stayed the night. And we've had this wonderful time and she leaves work. This actually, this is a real life example. It happened a couple of weeks ago. And she walks out the door and I whisper her to her something in her ear as she walks off on a Monday morning to work. And I, my intention is to actually leave her kind of skipping out the door, feeling loved, feeling honoured and feeling desired. Like this really, I want, I want in her a heady mix of feeling strongly desired but also deeply honored right <laughs> quite quite the quite the juggling act yeah i was about but, to say mate that's a that's a yeah that's so a, i make my good, i good make goal. my clumsy attempt and um but i think i've done pretty well and then when i see her again two days later um she says actually i felt really upset and i was like by what and she said when you said that thing to me as i was leaving the other morning and so pause pause there for a second so here's a scenario where i've had this loving intention which by the way we all have some validity some yearning behind what we do even if it goes shit shaped there's a positive yearning behind what we've done yes so i've i've set her off wanting to kind of feel buoyed and desired and held and safe and honored and she's coming back to me saying, well, you didn't, right? So here's a moment where it feels like she's telling me, you know, I mean, she's sharing her pain, which is so critical, right, for a healthy relationship. But at the time, it feels like she's saying, you failed. <laughs> you failed at leaving me feeling loved by you. And that's, that's heartbreaking to me. And that will be heartbreaking to, to most of us. This notion that our partner has pain because of what we did, we want to push back on that. And here's, here's why. The first, there's three, three things that I've been feeling into. The first thing is I sent her away with what I'd hoped to be joy, right? And my package of joy just went missing in the mail. You know, it's like sending something during COVID's Australia Post and the, the gift that you put so much thought into never arrives for that person. So that's, that's painful to us. My gift of joy didn't reach you. The second thing is that what did reach you seems to be upset. And that's not what I want for you because I care about you. So of course I don't want upset for you. And the third thing is that you're saying that your upset is my fault. You're saying you did this thing that brought me pain. So let me recap those three things. I, I sent you joy and it didn't arrive. What did arrive is pain, and I don't, and that's uncomfortable for me because I love you and I want joy for you, not pain. And the third thing is, it seems like you're telling me it's my fault. So of course I'm going to get defensive. Of course I'm going to push that away. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm tempted to say something to my partner in that moment, like, "You've misunderstood me. You've got it wrong. You've been too insensitive. I think that's pain from some other relationship." Don't put that onto me. Like I wasn't doing that. I wasn't being that way with you. I was loving you. So see here, see here the defensiveness in my language there around yeah. because I'm def what I'm defending is, is, and this is what I what I really want the world to know about defensiveness. Because I just get so many messages from people saying, why is this person so defensive? The reason I'm defending in that moment is because what I'd hoped for was so beautiful and the situation that arose was so difficult and I'm, I'm not wanting to be 
at fault because what I wanted to be at fault for is joy, actually. So I start mm. to shut down or defend, or maybe I even get angry. Maybe I even say, well, that you're being ridiculous or that's irrational or you're being hormonal. Like I do all these things that dismiss her pain instead of the simple thing that says, and here's the teaching of karma. I did this thing that I had hoped would bring joy and it brought pain. So if we go, if we go to the teaching of karma, and I think you guys will probably agree how misrepresented the teaching of karma is in our general language. Like it's yeah. karma's sort of spoken about as retribution. Like you'll get <laughs> what's coming to you. Um, but here's the way I think about karma. Everything I do and everything I don't do creates both an intended and unintended impact in the world all around me. And so here was I whispering words into my lover's ear my intended impact was for her to feel joy. The unintended impact was actually she felt, she felt unsafe. She felt a bit like, um, like uncomfortable. And suddenly she started to question whether I really honoured her and how I thought about her. You know, she wanted to be thought about more fully than how it sounded to her. She felt, she felt like I was just speaking to a a desire that was a bit shallow for how she wanted to be seen. And so unless I realize that everything I do and don't do will create both joy and pain, then I'm stuck in this illusion that says she should just receive the joy I'm giving. And mm. so I make it unsafe for her to talk about the pain that she's in. So my coaching that I ask people to become masterful in over weeks and months of practice says, my love, I can see how upset you are. And it makes sense to me now, now that you've helped me understand that what I said upset you, that makes sense to me. Of course you did. And talk to me more about the pain, if you wish, because I'm here. And thank God you can share this pain with me because look what a contribution to our relationship that is. So making an offer, I see your pain. Making an invitation, tell me more. Creating validation, yes, that makes so much sense and then honoring her or him for the sharing of pain. I promise mm. you that approach will open their heart like you've never seen before. <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel, Fish, that you've just kind of led us, led us into a little t timeless secret right there that um, I hope everybody who's been listening has kind of jotted that down. Because <laughs> yeah. I can certainly... Um, reflect back on the number of times when I've responded in, in all the ways that you talked about in terms of the, you know, the defensiveness um, and yeah. in particular that piece of, you know, feeling, being accused of feeling like I've made somebody feel a particular way, you know, how that just, the, the trigger that that often sets, sets off in me. Yeah, um, it's natural to, to defend. 
yeah and, and it's yeah exactly and um and i love the integration that you just pulled in there around that conversation of karma and um and i've noticed actually a couple of times you you've you've brought in yogic references and i know um rich at the beginning talked about mentioning a yoga teacher i'm curious to know how much of an influence your your yoga uh, the the knowledge and your practice has in what you're teaching i think day by day <clears throat> the communication space that i inhabit with people and the yoga sutras of patanjali become increasingly woven together um, the the characteristics of the conflict mind relate directly to the teaching of the kleshas how we are we have this active state of ignorance called avidya in in the yogic teaching which which is the fact that in moments of uncertainty we just think we know how things are so my partner just thinks she knows i'm being like insensitive and i just think i know that she's being um, irrational or oversensitive or reactive and so the mind gives us our stance via analysis of how the world is right now and those you know if we talk about the vax anti-vax if there is such a thing as both ends of that stick then if you hop onto facebook you'll hear that someone who might associate with being um, pressuring people to get vaccinated will have a very clear idea of the data to support their view and those in opposition to that view will also have very clearly determined um, data and a set of truth and so the mind just creates our truth and we just think we know how it is and it doesn't even occur to us that our opinion is just opinion we we see it as our truth and i i talk about the teaching of satya um truth in the yogic teachings as being that which is um undifferentiated so a, 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 an easier way to think about that is that if my truth and rich's truth seek to cancel each other out then they're not the whole truth like if i if my truth makes rich's truth wrong then it can't be the whole truth and only by expanding outwards and realizing that the whole truth of the matter must be my truth and Rich's truth, can we ever really come to separating my strongly held opinion from, from what I know to be actually speaking more broadly to the, the truth of existence, the truth of reality, the truth of humanness? And so the truth of humanness is that we are lost in opinion. <laughs> Um, and our opinions become increasingly oppositional. Um, but yeah, I actually find the more, the more I dive deeper and deeper, you know how when you read the Yoga Sutras the first time and you're just like, what the hell? And then maybe, yeah, maybe when you dive in a little bit more, <laughs> certain, certain parts start to kind of make a bit of sense, but they kind of still seem like, nice ideals ideals to live by and then i think not only 
you know, I, I'm not interested in the teachings of yoga as ideals. I'm interested in how they invite me to see my humanness right now. And if we're just to look at the yamas and the niyamas, when I, when I teach those on yoga teacher trainings, the philosophy aspect, I, I just invite students to say, where, where do these teachings shine a light on you in relation to others? And that conversation is profound, but we can, we, can, we can sort of receive the teachings of yoga as a should and shouldn't, or as like a guide or as an ideal. And I, I actually think they are, they're, they're just creating opportunities for our own insight about us in every moment. Um, so very closely woven, actually. I, you know, I teach asana, I'm a, I'm a yoga teacher, I teach classes. Um, here in Perth and in Indonesia and Sri Lanka, and um, and but I I'm I'm a little divorced from asana on its own. I I like I like and um, when I'm practicing yoga, I like the subtle teachings. I like subtle subtle aspects like kriya, subtle um, practices involving attention and breath woving together. And I am only really turned on by yogic practices that help me find greater steadiness and ease in relation to other human beings, actually. So I, I personally think that's what it's all about. <laughs> um, but, you know, other people, mm. other people see yoga in a whole different way and that's, that's beautiful for them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm with you. I love that subtlety of it too. And, and, think one of the beautiful things with yoga really is that it does give us all an opportunity to explore something right um and it's certainly over the last few years for me personally that that put the exploration that it's allowed me both on a on a physical level but on a real internal level has been has been pretty profound and to hear you bring the way that you're um, your learnings and interpretations out of the some of the philosophical aspect into life as well you know is I think in some ways it's it's actually a beautiful thing to hear you know there's there's, there's little that's understood about it but yet so much wisdom that I see in in the world around me as a as a westerner so to hear that it's influencing you and the work that you're doing is, is really beautiful so it's uh yeah I appreciate that Appreciate that, Fish. Hey, um, Rich, I'm just noticing um, the time and how we're getting on here. And, and so I want to just uh, pass the ball to you. Are there any questions that you got for Fish before we head off? And then Fish too, is there anything that you want to you speak to yourself? Um, and, and, you know, feel free at this point to plug yourself a little bit and what you do and, and, and how people can reach you i'm assuming assuming you would like people to reach out to you who are listening to this podcast sure really really happy to share that um rich rich where where, where do you want to um head at the moment i mean i'm aware of the time as well i i, I just wanted to kind of acknowledge what i'm hearing really is the the importance of dialogue you know that that, that we so much of this spiritual development and, and what yoga offers is, is an inward journey but for me, that's like a stage. What I'm hearing you kind of uh, champion is really the value of like, yes, being aware of what's going on, but like having that all important dialogue so that we're not 
just stuck in opinion and then not just stuck in our own worlds and in our own heads, but actually having these kind of collaborative discussions. And if you've actually, clearly you've got tools uh, for that that are actually helping people do that kind of work, like that's kind of really what the world needs right now. So I'm just um, uh, kind of in awe and, and, and just want to say thank you for doing that kind of work. And I can see that um, on social media, it's been really, really well received clearly um, because this is, I think the application of all of that kind of self-work that we, we can do, but the, the, the act of having those difficult and very nuanced conversations listening to you talk, like that's the challenge that we often uh, don't, we don't face because we don't know how to. So I just yeah. want to say thanks for, uh, you know, putting these tools out there for people and, and please now take the opportunity to plug the fuck out of yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I just wanted to come back to that aspect of, you know, it's very easy. I, I have people commonly coming to me, right, who have gone to, for example, gone to counselling or gone to a psychologist or a um, um, psychoanalytical approach and people tend to come to me with further analysis about their analysis like why I am thinking a certain way about a certain thing and you know for me I, I'm I just don't know the value of analyzing our analysis of our experience and so you know I think totally. I think it's refreshing for people to have every single thing that they've ever thought or felt validated to to be seen for what they were yearning for that went so shit shaped but how they had all this beautiful valid yearning in their heart around the actions that they took that went that were received so poorly and to be validated for the pain that they experienced and so bringing validity to our humanness is just the most valuable thing. Yogic teachings invite us to see what our humanness is, what it looks like, what are our tendencies, all of us, I mean. And, you know, I, on, on the topic of who am I, you know, I know before we, before we press record, you were asking about who are my heroes. Michael Stone, I don't know whether you've heard Michael Stone's teaching. He's passed away, but he's got a podcast called Awake in the World. And when I listen to his teachings, he very much stands in the yogic and um, Buddhist tradition, and he very much just validates humanness. And that is incredibly refreshing because on the deepest level, we know we're not wrong for what we experience. It's just that analysis ten tells us that to resolve conflict, someone has to be wrong. And so that's actually deeply upsetting to us because you'll know if... Wow. If someone's ever adjudicated a resolution for you and someone has to be wrong, it's not really transformed. You've just come to a workable solution. But if I have to be wrong in order to have love in my life, then I'm going to secretly resent someone for that. So we all just yearn for things and that's valid and we all have pain and that's also valid and that's the, that's the approach that I take. And when, when you can start to listen behind what someone says or does, which, by the way, can be so vindictive and hurtful and nasty and black and white and ac accusatory, listen behind what they say or do into what they are yearning for and what they are suffering with 
And if you can meet them there in their experience, their heart will open and they will probably most likely regret the actions that they took because now they feel seen and the, and the accusation no longer stands. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of add that little bit because standing in the face of someone's accusations or hurtful behavior or dismissal or um, yelling or violence, of course we defend or of course we amplify our, our need to be understood. But the secret recipe is what are they yearning for and what's the pain that they're in and bring that to the table and they will want to do the same for you reciprocally, the heart will open. Um, so yeah, on social media, I'm James Fish Gill. Um, on the web, I'm leadbyheart.com. And I'm how I'm working with people at the moment is I run 12-week coaching programs for individuals or couples, and that's in person in Perth or online via Zoom. I'm running retreats at the moment in Western Australia, Queensland and New South Wales over the coming months, all in Australia. I'm hoping to take those internationally next year. Um, getting together an online communication course, which will teach you how to fall in love with humanity in the face of conflict. <laughs> um, so that's gonna be up and running in the next few months. That's exciting. And I'm starting to turn my attention towards training facilitators in this approach as well. And that's really exciting because that just makes the reach of this approach even broader. Um, so yeah, I'd love for you to kind of message me and get involved somehow and, um, you know, send me all your, yeah, but fish, you don't really understand it because I'm actually dating this asshole. <laughs> I love those questions because <laughs> that's where the work really gets traction, where we actually really think that the person that we're in relation to is a bit of a dick. That's where the greatest um, ground is gained. That's where the most opening happens. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. mate, um, thank you so much. And, and yeah, I, <clears throat> I really hope that what you're doing takes off i mean it, it seems as if it is but to have more people sharing what you're doing i think can only be a blessing for us as uh, as as a global community really of people who and as you mentioned right at the beginning you know we're obviously going through a series of tumultuous whether they're armed conflicts or just conflicts between human beings with different ideologies and different belief systems and yeah. and um yeah. To have an approach that, that you're offering right now seems so it would be like it would be such a gift in, yeah. in so many ways to all yeah. of us. So, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and Thank sharing you. a lot of your wisdom, mate. It feels as if you've you've actually dropped uh, some big bombs for us that um, even, even just listening today, I know that I, I, I have a sense in how my relationship will evolve with my wife and yeah. my daughter, family, all that. of it. Just, uh, yeah, really profound. I love that. Can you can you imagine for just a tiny moment what it would be like if for for five minutes everyone on the planet had their pain seen? Yeah. All wars would stop. Yes. All suffering would would evaporate. You know, things wealth would reorganize immediately. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think it's worthy of my life and it's certainly what I'm on the planet for. I've discovered after kicking mm. and screaming for years, now I get it. <laughs> um, so it's, it's beautiful well, to connect with you guys. It's really lovely. Thanks for being so generous with your, your listening and with your questions and love the work that you're doing to create space for men to consider how do we do it differently. Mm. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Fish. Really, yeah. it's uh, been awesome having you on. Uh, really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Mel. Thanks, Rich. Pleasure, brother. Uh, hope to see you and speak to you again sometime. Thank you so much. Awesome. Ciao. From this week's podcast, if there's been anything that's inspired you, challenged you, or simply left you wanting more, then please reach out to Richie and Mal via their Facebook page, Man Reimagined. Just like you, we're trying to get a handle on all of these issues and topics. So the more we're able to share and talk about them, I think the better off we're all going to be. Until next time, catch you later.